Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Episode 236 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. This is an absolutely jam packed part of the sports calendar, folks. With NFL, bowl season, NBA in full swing over the holidays, Bet Online isn't taking a second off to make sure you have all the up to date second odds, news, and player info. Bet Online has all the sports wagering info you need with both desktop and mobile access. So head to the website today. Use promo code Believe B L E A V to get fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. With that said, episode two thirty six for the love of the game. Let's get this. Welcome back. Episode 236 for the love of the game with yours truly. It's ATH Aaron Tobin S back in the saddle, back behind the mic. Took a little bit of time off, but we are back and we are in an absolutely jam packed sports calendar right now. There is so much stuff going on. I mean, we've got the college football final four coming up this weekend. By the way, we're recording on a Tuesday night, a late Tuesday night. So we got college football, Final Four, and a bunch of bowl games coming up this weekend. NBA is in full swing. We just had the Christmas showcase, which I'm going to talk about in the monologue a little bit and a little bit with a uh, recurring guest. We have NFL down the stretch of the regular season. They come. The playoff picture is shaping up. We'll talk about that in just a second. NHL, full swing of things. The Rangers are still really good. So here we go. So I, I wanted to start with the NFL as we normally do on this show. Just take you around the league. And full disclosure, Christmas Day, there was a lot going on. There were NBA games all day, five NBA games. So I opted to watch the combo of Celtics-Lakers and Nuggets-Warriors instead of watching the Giants. I did not watch much of the Giant game. I know the Giants lost by 8, 33-25. Whatever. Don't really have a whole lot to say on it. Tommy DeVito, I heard, got benched. Tyrod Taylor, whatever. It doesn't matter. Giants are playing out the strength. But a couple of important things around the NFL. We're going to start what happened on Sunday. And that's the Miami Dolphins being the Dallas Cowboys, 22-20. to The game was at home. The Dolphins, who are banged up, Tyreek Hill, Gimpy, Jalen Waddell, Got hurt in that game. The Dolphins' O-line has been banged up for a while now, and the Dolphins managed to come from behind to win a game against a good team. And, you know, the narrative had been that the Dolphins had not beaten a playoff-caliber team all season. Well, this was a very quality one. Very, very quality one. Now, I was talking offline with a Dolphin friend of mine who um, was obviously – distraught over what was going on in this game in terms of the play calling. It was getting on Mike McDaniel. And was it the prettiest win? No. But I do think, you know, the Dolphins found a way to win a tough game at home against a playoff caliber team. Now, where they rank in terms of the hierarchy of the AFC, they're probably the second best team in the AFC. Maybe third best team. We'll see what happens when they play the Bills in a couple of weeks. They, the Bills, who have been on a hot streak and are actually in the playoffs right now, had to squeak by Easton Stick and the LA Chargers 24 22. It just goes to show you that when a team is riding high, sometimes there's a letdown. We'll get to San Francisco in a second. But yeah, 
impressive win by the Dolphins. Even in the loss, the Cowboys showed me something too, because, and you all know that I'm a Dak Prescott skeptic. I never think that Dak Prescott's going to win anything at the highest level in this league. But when they were down over a score, to come down, put that drive together, score a touchdown, to take the lead, that was big-time stuff. On the road, and the Dallas Cowboys have not been good on the road, which is why I picked against them and picks against the spread. It was 3-2 and two this past week. It was a nice game. It wasn't the prettiest game. It wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing game, but it was a fun game to watch. Dallas uh, loses in Miami 22 to 20. Good win for the Dolphins. Some impressive things for the Cowboys, but again, more of a good win for the Dolphins. Baltimore, as I just mentioned, 30 to 18 winner over San Francisco. San Francisco came into this game and they were on a blazing hot streak. They were playing the best football by far at, of anybody in the league. And Baltimore went in there and forced four interceptions from Brock Purdy. And yeah, some of them were tipped, but Baltimore's forcing these tip balls. Like they were just aggressive. That defense has been excellent. I know going into the game, DVOA had the 49ers, this current 49ers team was like the third best DVOA of all time. But the Baltimore Ravens this year, in terms of DVOA all time, was number 11. And they put it on them. They were more physical. They put it on them. Lamar Jackson, who's improved as a passer, was excellent. I think he is probably the front runner. I mean, I know he's the front runner for the MVP. I personally think that it should either be Christian McCaffrey or Tyreek Hill. But if you're going to give it to a quarterback, it's got to be Lamar. I mean, he does mean the most to his team. I, I was having this argument even before the game started. I think Brock Purdy is better suited for the Niners then Lamar Jackson would be suited for the Niners, but I don't think Brock Purdy could do what Lamar Jackson's doing with the Ravens and vice versa. But anyway, Lamar was sensational, absolutely sensational. The, the way he was avoiding sacks all night, I mean, that game was like a game, of, legitimately a game of inches because multiple times in that game, Lamar was under duress and he just got out of it, got out of it. I know he didn't get out of the sack. That was partially caused by the referee after he was backpedaling. That was the one sack he didn't get out of, caused the safety. You thought after that that San Francisco was going to roll, but no. Baltimore really was impressive. It was an impressive win. And they are clearly looking like the class of the AFC. I know I just talked about Lamar's improvement as a passer. The offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, clearly trusts him in terms of making certain throws that Greg Roman did not in previous regimes. But to me, a lot of the Lamar Jackson conversation has to be talked about the playoffs. See, sports is interesting. Sports is kind of like the mafia, right? Like you become a made man when you win, right? And once you're a made man, it's really hard for people to trash you because you've done it. You've done something that's really hard. That's the hardest thing to do in your sport. And that's to win the whole thing. Lamar has been great. This regular season, Lamar has won an MVP. I didn't think he deserved the MVP the year he won it, even though his stats were awesome. But Lamar's won an MVP. But the sample size of Lamar in the playoffs is big enough where it's not very good. It's not very good. So Lamar has a chance to rewrite the narrative. If the Ravens go on a major run, makes it to the Super Bowl, Lamar's going to rewrite the narrative. But until then, like... Consider me a skeptic still. And I, I acknowledge and concede that he has improved in a lot of areas. But that's the beauty of the playoffs. You have to do it in the playoffs. And no, I'm not off the Niners. I still think the Niners are the best team in football by a considerable margin. They were due for a stinker. And Lamar, for whatever reason, is 19-1, and one, or I should say was 19-1 and one going into last night's game against the A NFC against the spread. I think actually straight up, uh, whatever the stat is, he has an incredible record against the NFC and chalk it up to another win against the NFC by Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. But very impressive win by the Ravens. That defense is very physical. They made Brock Purdy's life hell, had his worst game as a pro, and 
an impressive win, but I'm not off the Niners. I still think the Niners are going to the Super Bowl to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. It doesn't seem like anybody really wants to tank properly for the top couple of picks. You had the Patriots winning a game against the Denver Broncos. You had Chicago's winning games. The Jets won a game against Washington. I mean, I guess Washington right now is doing the best job at tanking. So it'll be interesting to see how the draft falls out, which is why when everybody was going crazy about Tommy DeVito leading the Giants to a couple of wins in terms of draft positioning, well, who the hell knows? You see that guys don't want to go out on the field and lose on purpose. Guys have pride. Coaches have pride. It's just not the way it is. So, yeah, we'll see how the draft shakes out when all the regular season games are over. But, yeah, it's just weird that nobody is tanking properly for the top two picks that would probably result in Caleb Williams and Drake May. The Cleveland Browns are 10-5. and five. The Cleveland Browns have had four starting quarterbacks this season. That is incredible. And the latest starting quarterback, Joe Flacco, up until this year, was on the couch for the beginning of the year and was not good for the last five years. I mean, what the Browns are doing is awesome. I know I talked about the MVP and Lamar being the front runner, but in a year where no QBs really separated themselves, I mentioned Tyreek Hill. I mentioned Christian McCaffrey, but I would also listen to an argument for Miles Garrett winning the MVP. The Browns defense has been special and Miles Garrett is the main reason why, like he's going to win defensive player of the year and no defensive players won the MVP since Lawrence Taylor in 1986. Now Lawrence Taylor is one of the three best players to ever play football. I'm not sure that Miles Garrett is ever going to be on that level. But if there was ever a year to buck the trend, this would be the year. And last but not least, going back to the Christmas Day games, and again, I didn't watch this game in its entirety, but I was monitoring on the phone. The Chiefs lose to the Raiders 2014. The Chiefs lost to a Raiders team that had 62 yards passing and didn't have a single passing yard after the first quarter. Not a single completed pass after the first quarter. The wide receivers are bad. The offensive line is bad. Travis Kelsey isn't the same. Patrick Mahomes is having to do everything himself. I know he's he's getting very pissy on the sidelines, but you can understand his frustration. That wide receiver core is, is horrific. Absolutely horrific. And it's way worse than last year. Like even Juju Smith-Schuster, if you put him on this Kansas City Chiefs team, would be way more reliable than anybody they have. They just drop balls left and right. I don't understand what's going on over there. The Chiefs are three and five in their last eight games. It's basically half the season. Three and five, under 500. This is not the year. I know Patrick Mahomes gets the benefit of the doubt because of his resume. I get it. Believe me, I am the biggest Patrick Mahomes cheerleader that there is. But this ain't it. This year, it's not happening. So you could basically put a fork in the Chiefs. I would honestly bet the Chiefs, even though they're going to host a home game in the playoffs, I would bet them to lose opening round. All right, so that's a little bit of the NFL. A couple of things on the NBA games, specifically the Christmas Day games. One thing from each of the five NBA games. Knicks, 129. Bucks, 122. Jalen Brunson, after being called not a 1A all season, and, and Becky Hammond was the last one to do this, and I kind of agree with her, but he's trying to prove that he is that 1A type of guy. An incredible game, taking it to Damian Lillard and the Bucks, 15 for 28, 38 points. Six assists. The shooting with him this year is incredible. And the three-point shooting has been absolutely incredible. I mean, what a year he's putting on. Julius Randle's been very, very good of late. But one thing to monitor, and you can make a case that Emmanuel quickly was the best player in the game outside of Jalen Brunson. But one thing to monitor with the Knicks is, is this R.J. Barrett situation. I know what the numbers said. 21 points, 8 of 14 from the field. I, I get that. It, it looks okay in the box score. But all the other starters were a plus in terms of the plus minus. 
R.J. Barrett was a minus six. Quickly, Josh Hart, Taj Gibson were all pluses in the plus minus. Again, R.J. Barrett is a minus six. I just, after the hot start, he's been very mediocre. Very mediocre, and that's being kind. And he had a play last night, or I should say yesterday afternoon. It was a three-on-one, basically, at the end of the game. And all he has to do is just shovel the ball over to Isaiah Hartenstein on his right, and it's a dunk. Instead, he decides to play hero ball, ends up getting called for a charge. It was just an incredibly low IQ play, which has kind of been R.J. Barrett's M.O. And if you notice the substitution patterns, Tom Thibodeau doesn't play him in the fourth quarter because he doesn't trust him. I have my issues with Tom Thibodeau, but I'm not sure that this is one of them. I just I just think R.J. Barrett's time in New York has gotten very close to an expiration date. And for a team that needs to make a consolidation trade, as I've said, R.J. Barrett, I think, is a prime candidate to be one of those pieces that are moved for hopefully somebody better. Next game, Warriors, 114, Nuggets, 120. Denver wins at home. Nikola Jokic did not have a great game. 26 points, 14 rebounds, 8 assists. I mean, but he did go 18 for 18 from the free throw line. And the major hoopla after this game was the Jokic free throws attempts. And I get it, the NBA officiating has been brutal. I mean, you saw what happened just tonight in the Memphis-New Orleans game. If you haven't seen it, watch the last five minutes. It was an absolutely ref travesty what happened there. But Steve Kerr's up in arms and Jokic is getting all these free throws. I watched the game, okay? I didn't think Jokic was pulling a James Harden in 2017 and hunting foul shots. Like, sometimes bigger players, stronger players, who are able to impose their will physically, get to the free throw line, all right? I know Giannis may create a lot of contact himself, but he's also getting whacked across the arm all the time because he's bigger and stronger than people. Jokic is bigger and stronger than people. And I just think it's so funny that Steve Kerr is crying about the officiating when the officiating... has done wonders for his team in terms of allowing for free-flowing offense. And, you know, Steph Curry is not James Harden, but Steph Curry gets the benefit of the doubt with the whistle. I just... Steve Kerr has had an unbelievable run as Warriors head coach. I mean, he's won four titles. But whenever anything goes slightly wrong, he is very quick to bitch and moan. Like, I've kind of had enough of Steve Kerr. I I, I really have. But, yeah, I, I didn't think the fouls were egregious on Jokic. I thought he earned a lot of those free throws. Jamal Murray was excellent down the stretch of that game. But another major subplot is that Steph Curry, for some reason, cannot play well on Christmas Day. Another subpar shooting game on Christmas Day for him, 7 for 21, 18 points, a minus 26 Just a brutal day for Steph Curry, who I still think is one of the three or four best players in the league. But this Christmas Day thing with Steph Curry is a little weird. All right, on to game number three. We had the Lakers and the Celtics. Celtics 126, 115 Los Angeles Lakers. A couple of things from this game. One, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I know Jalen Brown signed the richest contract in NBA history, but he's the fifth best player on the Celtics. I mean, I think in terms of indispensable Celtics, Tatum, Porzingis, who, by the way, has been their second best player. And I know we're going to talk about all-star selections soon with the NBA because it's getting close. Kristaps Porzingis would be my second selection for the Boston Celtics if they're going to get two guys, which history dictates if you're at the top of the conference, you're going to get two guys. So I think Porzingis is going to go. Drew Holiday and Derek White, I think all those guys are more indispensable and quite honestly better players right now than Jalen Brown, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. As for the Lakers, Davis, 40 and 13, monster game from him. LeBron was subpar. And then at the end of the game, LeBron is complaining about the fact that they haven't had time to gel, that they haven't had guys healthy. Like, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? 
LeBron's played a lot of games. Anthony Davis has been pretty durable. I mean, look across at the Celtics. Their main guys have missed more games. There are so many other teams that have been affected by the injury bug more than the Lakers. And LeBron James, after every kind of embarrassing loss in prime time, there's always an excuse with him. Always an excuse. It's just more of the same. More of the same. The guy's just, he's so cringeworthy when he talks to the, the press after games. It's just like, it's so unnatural. It just makes your skin crawl off. More garbage from LeBron. Uh, fourth game. I didn't watch a whole lot of this one because I was monitoring Monday Night Football with the Ravens and the Niners, but Heat 119, 76ers 113. No Jimmy Butler for the Heat. No Joel Embiid, who's the MVP front runner for the Philadelphia 76ers with a sprained ankle that he turned the day before. I mean, this was, this was a legit ankle turn. So I know Adam Silver wants his marquee players playing on it's marquee day, but can't really fault the 76ers in this one. Joel Embiid has been on an absolute tear before this injury. But anyway, the big takeaway for me in this game is two things. One, Philadelphia supporting cast, now that James Harden is out of there, is actually pretty good. Like Tobias Harris, when he's not just standing in the corner, he's asked to do more things. Like he can do more things. And I know Tobias Harris is in a contract year. And I know Tobias Harris historically has played really, really well in contract years. But this is no different. Like he's capable of making plays. He's capable of dribbling the ball more than twice. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey did not have a great game, but he at least battled. Like he started out 0 for 10 or something like that. He at least gave you effort and didn't stop playing. I mean, finished finished a Grizzly 4 for 20, but even he was a plus 10 in the plus minus. But the biggest story in this game is for the Miami Heat and Jaime Jaquez, a guy who's drafted, I think, 20th or 21st overall. And I said it on the pre-draft podcast that he was going to fall to the Heat and he was going to be awesome on the Heat. Well, guess what? It, it happened to a T. I mean, look at his game last night. I, just tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. 11 for 15 shooting. 10 rebounds. One assist, two steals. Eight for eight from the line. He was doing it every which way. The guy's not a super athlete, but he gets it done. Jaime Jaquez is an absolute steal in this draft. What a find for the Miami Heat, a team that seems to find dudes like this all the time. Just imagine if they would have packaged everything for Lillard. Jaquez, too. Like, I, I think that guy's untradeable now. I, I, I don't think the Miami Heat are going to be trading Jaime Jaquez anytime soon. He's been awesome. The Heat are tough, man. They're going to be a tough team. I know what the record is right now. They're 18 and 12. You would say that's good, not great, but that team is going to be there at the end. And then last but not least, the Dallas Mavericks 128, Phoenix Suns 114. The Phoenix Suns are now 14 and 15, 7 and 9 at home. If the playoffs started today, they'd be completely out. They'd be out of the playing game. And obviously, Luka Doncic is the headliner. 50 points, six rebounds, 15 assists, four steals, three blocks. Like, apparently, that stat line has never been done before in NBA history. I mean, Luka Doncic has been awesome. And let's face it, Dallas, as a result, and no, there was no Kyrie Irving last night, and Dallas has played well with Kyrie Irving out of the lineup. No shocker there because I think he's a team cancer. They're probably better off without him. But anyway, I mean, Luca's absolutely sensational. Absolutely sensational. On the year, I mean, 33 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds, nine and a half assists, basically shooting 49% from the field. Like this is this is sick. Absolutely sick. I know I've had my criticisms on Luka Doncic in the past and think he plays a little heliocentric for my liking. I think he bitches the referees a lot. He's ambivalent on defense a lot, but my goodness. My goodness, he's been absolutely sensational this year. So kudos to him, wanted to get that out of the way first. But the big thing is the Phoenix Suns. 14 and 15, and 
they looked absolutely lifeless in the fourth quarter. After Grayson Allen had a 19-point third quarter to give them some juice, nothing. Nothing in the fourth. And Kevin Durant was absolutely miserable. Four for 13. Looked like he didn't want to be there. And then we get the report from Woj, Adrian Rojanowski, talking about how Kevin Durant is frustrated and the organization can feel his frustration. I'm sorry, dude. Like, you asked to be there. You asked to be there. They traded all that stuff for you. So you're complaining about depth? You can't even blame the Bradley Beal trade because they really didn't give up a whole lot. They gave up a whole lot to get you. And the Phoenix Suns stink with a capital S. They're too small. And I know Nurkic didn't play last night, but even when he's around, they're too small. Okay? They're not deep. They're not tremendously deep. Even though I like some of their ancillary pieces in a vacuum, I do like Grayson Allen. I do like Eric Gordon. I do like Nazir Little. That's a little bit of a deep cut. But this, the sum of the individual parts just, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And Brad Beal making a giant bet on him in his monster contract when he barely plays. And I know he turned his ankle on a fluke thing, but like, that's a bad bet. I said it at the time and it's proving to be correct. And I'm going to go a couple of steps further on this one. The Suns lost the Kevin Durant trade. They were better off not trading for Kevin Durant, which is crazy because if you look at the career that Kevin Durant's had, you would say that he's one of the 15 best players of all time. But the Suns made a major mistake trading for Kevin Durant. And this narrative about Kevin Durant, like this guy's the softest guy in the league. He may be the softest. I know I talked about LeBron being soft and being you know, cringeworthy, but Kevin Durant is ultra cringeworthy. Like for him to potentially complain and Woj doesn't just make stuff up for clicks, right? And for TV ratings. For Kevin Durant to complain about his situation is so rich, is so rich. He left the Golden State Warriors because people called him a cupcake for joining a team that won 73 games the year before. And he was. It was the biggest loser move and least competitive move in NBA history, even more so than LeBron's decision. Yes, even more so. And then he gets fed up because he doesn't get the recognition that he thinks he deserves. And again, he hasn't won squad douche without Steph Curry. Goes to Brooklyn, hatches his wagon to Kyrie Irving's crazy ass. That goes up in flames. And when it goes up in flames, with four years left on his contract, demands a team a trade to one team and one team only, the Phoenix Suns. And now they're 14 and 15, 11th in the West. Like, you made your bed, dude. Fucking lie in it. Enough with Kevin Durant, all right? One of the most overrated players in NBA history. Seriously. Seriously. What team has he made great since 2016 that wasn't already really, really good before? Like, he hasn't been the straw that stirs the drink on a great team in a long time. So, yeah, I've had enough with Kevin Durant. Just stop bitching, dude. You're always bitching and complaining about something. And for a guy who, you know, is quote unquote, you know, honest and keeps it real. Well, we're going to keep it real with you, man. You wanted this, deal with it. And it seems like Devin Booker has a personality type that's a little bit more alpha than you. And he may be the better player now. And you may be a little bit washed up. I know what the stats say, but I've, I've watched the games. It does not look the same. I mean, granted, he's 16 years in or something like that. But man, more so than anything else, because he's been pretty good on the court. Shut up and try and fix it yourself, man. You wanted this, you got it. Now you have to fix it. Stop looking to go somewhere else like an absolute loser. I, I'm very tired of Kevin Durant. And what I loved most about last night's game, and you, you saw it a couple of years ago in the playoffs where Booker was talking crap to Luka Doncic. And again, I just praised Booker. I think he's wired a certain way. I love his competitiveness. I didn't always like that. I didn't always think he had it. Chris Paul taught him a lot of really positive attributes in their time together. 
But Booker is wired like that now. But Luka Doncic is a different level, right? Like there are levels to this. Booker is is on the short list, right? He may be the best shooting guard in the league. Uh, I, I do think Anthony Edwards has a major legitimate claim to that. But Booker is one of the 12 best players in the league. But he ain't on Luka's level. And Luka relishes in sticking it to him, which is one of the things I really, really like about Luka Doncic, that he takes it personal. Anyway, with that said, just catching up a little bit on the Christmas weekend sports, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk a little bit about the Boston Celtics because I wanted to get his take on what he's seeing right now, considering how good the Celtics have been. I'm still a little warm, so we're going to hash that one out and also talk about some things around the NBA, what we've noticed what we'd like to tr- change in terms of some of our preseason predictions, or we're going to get to him in just a matter of moments. So I teased in the monologue. We're having him back on. He's fresh off a nice vacation from Costa Rica. Must be nice. Uh, Avi Wexler is back. What's good, bud? How you doing? Oh, I am, though I'm back from vacation, I'm stressed. I have too many teams in the fantasy football championships. We can get into that another time. But, you know, it's a, it's, it's a good stress. Yeah, so you were telling me seven fantasy leagues, that is way too many. Cut it down to two. It's time to just be a normal person. You're uh, you're an adult now. You could have one, <laughs> maybe two. You can't have seven. That's what daily fantasy is for. Well, look, if I wasn't going to make the championship in five of them, then I'd agree with you, but I'm I'm sitting okay right now. So That's absolutely ridiculous. We, we may talk about the Patriots at the end because – they're winning games. I'm not sure their fans want them to win games, but they're winning games. Uh, but yes. I want to start with the NBA. Obviously, Christmas Day was the, you know, NBA's big showcase. Celtics had a big game against the Lakers. Celtics, you know, won pretty comfortably, 128-114 in L.A. Very impressive win. Um, what do you see from the Celtics right now? Because uh-huh. obviously they have – the second best record in the NBA. They're atop the Eastern Conference. I'm still not completely sold on them. Maybe it's because for the last couple of years, the analytics darlings have loved them and they they come up, you know, somewhat small in the playoffs. What are you seeing from the Celtics right now? What fears do you have with the team? I mean, they're very good. Don't get me wrong, but something still seems lacking. What is that? Yeah, so I, I think I think they their record shows what they are, especially with regards to the rest of the league. I think they still have the best starting five on paper, and I think you know in the primetime games they're showing it when all five of their guys are on the court together, and that includes Kristaps, Derek White, Drew, Jalen, and Jason. I think they're the best team, uh, hands down, both offensively and defensively. And the, not only the numbers back it up, I'd say the eye test also back backs it up. So I'd say they're passing that test. Um, the concerns really just with me are when when one or two of the starters are not playing well, like where is that going to come from the bench? You know, and usually you shouldn't have to rely on your bench when you have such a good starting five like we do. But based on the health issues that we can see with Christoph Porzingis or with uh, Al Horford, where we need another big, I'd say that's the biggest issue that we have. And then you also need some more consistent playmaking from some of our other guys like Peyton Pritchard and Sam Hauser. Now they've both been up and down kind of dueling banjos between the two of them uh, to borrow a term. Say, from I kind of like the way Sam Hauser's played for them. Like I kind of, he's, no, he's been, had some moments. Like I don't yeah. think that's a weak spot. I don't know. I think, I think Hauser's great when he's great, but like right now he's in a pretty bad shooting slump for the last like six or seven games. But like for the first 15 games or so, he was bad. He was great. And Pritchard wasn't good. So the, the question is how consistent can they be now, at the end of the day? Does it really matter how well your eighth and ninth players are playing off the bench when your top five is so good? No, but you know, if there's an injury to Chris stops or Al Horford or whatever, I think that's when it comes into question. So to me, that's kind of my biggest worry with them. And then I'm still waiting to see that extra level from Tatum personally, where he kind of goes thermonuclear in a game or in a series, which obviously will come in the playoffs where it's like, I got this, move out of the way. I'm getting to, I'm getting to the rim anytime I want. Similar to how we've seen with Giannis, Luca, Kevin Durant, LeBron, so on and so forth. Just when he when is he gonna establish himself on a consistent basis as that guy who's just 
going to be the alpha, which is hard to do on the team that he's on, even though he is the best player on that team. It's just, when is he going to take the reins fully? And I think part of that is just because, you know, he came up with Jalen and he came around with Marcus Smart and he's a very team oriented player. Obviously he's a great two-way player, but you know, when is he going to take the reins in a game where he has to go up against the best of the best and say, I'm going to drop 30 tonight. I'm dropping 40 tonight. Just pass me the ball. I'm going to work, you know? Let's talk about Jason Tatum for a second. Sure. Because, and I, I think that NBA discourse has gotten really crappy in a sense where we talk about, can he be the best guy on a championship level team, right? That's like mm-hmm. five guys, right? And it's it's literally five guys. I mean, I, we just heard, you know, Becky Hammond was the latest person to give her opinion on Jalen Brunson leading the Knicks to a title. Like, Jalen Brunson with Julius Randle as the second best player is not winning the Knicks a title. Yeah, I understand Correct. that. It's, like, it's not an insult, but no. it, it just, the discourse is weird. But Tatum is kind of in this interesting spot where it's like, there's, to me, a clear tier, Right. There's Giannis, Jokic in no particular order. I still think yeah. Steph Curry, Embiid, and Luka are their tier. And SGA is basically knocking on the door. And then, like, Tatum may be kind of knocking on the door or a slight step below. What's preventing him from entering that tier of player? Because well, I, think- I do there's yeah. a little bit of a gap. Yeah, well, I think, and I, I disagree on SGA. Maybe that's just because I haven't seen him do it in the playoffs yet, as opposed to the other guys. Yeah. Embiid excluded, whatever, whatever you want to say, Embiid and Luca. But everybody, I think, knows eye test wise, like Embiid and Luca are incredible, and they are, you know, they are they are planet players. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to. All those guys who you mentioned are the planet players, kind of like a term they use in football when describing how mega stars are, like a Patrick Mahomes, right? Like. Their team and the whole league basically revolves on how good they are as a player. And with Tatum, they haven't had to do – he can't do that because he's never been in a situation where his team is as bad as those guys are with the surrounding pieces, right? We've seen how the Warriors look now, and even when the Warriors won the title back in 22, like how it really did just revolve around how well Curry was playing with Jokic, obviously, and Embiid, the team's only going to go as far as him, same with Luka and so on and so forth. So I think it just comes down to the fact that Tatum has not been asked to be in that situation yet because he has such a good situation around him with other great players on his team or very good players. So I think that's what it comes down to. Until he is the only guy on that team and you just have a bunch of nobodies on the team, I think it's always going to be that question with him. But I think he's kind of like a Paul George type of player where he's so incredible two ways. He's always going to be a top seven player with top two potential, top three potential. He'll just never get there as long as he has a great team around him compared to some of those other guys. See, I'm not sure that's it because I'm not sure you should penalize players for playing team basketball. Like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not penalizing. Okay. All right. But I, I don't know if that's it. Like, he can get to that level of playing with good players. Like, you don't need to be like Luka Doncic, who does the heliocentric thing. It's actually one of the things I don't like about Luka's game, where he he has that. And sometimes it's a little bit to necessity, which is a testament to him right now that he's just playing out of this world. Like, if, he's, if you notice the Christmas Day game, they're doubling him. Uh, on the catch, and it doesn't matter because he had 50 and 16. Like, it was just absurd, right? It didn't make any sense. Um, And we'll we'll get to that game in a second. I want to ask about that game after this. But to me, it's – the thing with Tatum is is just sometimes the shot selection is just a little iffy. And I think that he falls in love with the step-back three – yeah, way too much and he kind of just lets guys off the hook and it's not a killer instinct thing but I think it's it's a not always willing to just get mucky a little bit you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like mm-hmm. like we've had this debate all the time like Jimmy Butler in a playoff series or Jason Tatum right and the thing with Butler is as I've argued is that he's just willing to get dirty 
You know, I'm not sure Tatum's willing to get dirty yet. And the great sometimes, like, you just need to get dirty to get points in big spots. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I don't know if it's like a demeanor kind of like, is he wired that way question? Because I think he's wired to play basketball. Yeah, I'm not sure it's a mental thing. Like, right yeah. now, I think, you know, a, a lot of people compare Tatum and Durant. Like, Durant right now, I think, is a mental thing. You know, Tatum, I don't think it's a mental thing. I think he's wired the right way. I just don't think yeah. he's, you know, willing or or hasn't developed the tricks yet to get, like, to get grimy yeah. when needed. Yeah, I, I think it's just part of his development when he's 27 right now. So he's still trying to figure out his game. And I still think a big part of it for him is also, I really do think it does come down to the players surrounding him. Because when you look at a guy like Luca, as you said, who kind of hold on, who is the team offensively for them. He basically has to go out and score 50. Otherwise they're not even going to score 80. Right. So like, I think that's really just the issue when you have other guys who can go get their own shots. And especially with the addition of Chris stops, I think that's where we're not seeing Tatum have to kind of go in and be as grimy as you said. I, I really do think it's just because he's so coachable and he said now what three coaches in his, in his what seven year career, eight year career. So it's like, okay, He's really buying into the system and the system is team basketball, swing the ball around, drive and then kick or kick and then or kick or just take the open shot. But I agree with you that he does settle for that step back a lot. And there are just times where he's just dribbling, dribbling, does through the legs. And you're like, all right, I know everybody knows it's going to be a shot here. Just go to the hole. You have the length and the athleticism to get by these guys. I think his issue is he's worried he's not going to get the foul call. And then because of that, it's like, okay, miss layup. And now we're down five on four on the other end whatever, I might as well just take this shot here. And, you know, analytics are always saying three is better than two. So I, I I think it's a weird point that he has to himself kind of coach himself to be more aggressive in that nature. But I don't know. I, I really do think the uh, those five other guys, you mentioned six other guys, the ball needs to be in their hands for the team to succeed. And that doesn't have to be the case as much with Tatum because Tatum can do so many other things, right? So I think that's what it comes down to. These moments with Tatum also with the, the force threes, they always come at the end of quarters, end of halves, end yeah. of regulation. Like yeah. it, at a certain point, somebody's got to tell him, it's just like enough get with to the this. Hole. Just get to the you, hole. You're making it easy on the defense. Like I, I'm sure he practices that shot all the time in the summer. He posts the workout videos. I see it. Whatever yeah. players play ones all the time, but like at a certain point, man, pivot foot, you know, whatever kind of fake two dribbles and trying to either get to the mid range or get all the way to the basket. Like, and he has a good mid range too. He has a good mid range. I think actually, yeah, his baseline, like his baseline mid range is like a good, it's like a good shot for him. Something on the wing a little bit. I think he learned a lot of that from Paul and then obviously worshiping Kobe throughout the years. So it's like, you have that skill and you're, you've actually been shooting really well from mid range. Just keep doing that. You don't have to do the three. I know the whole league is obsessed with the three and that's your point, right? Like just sometimes the, the best shot is the easier shot. That's why Kawhi has made a living. Jamar Rose has made a living on the mid range. I know it's like a dying art, but like if it goes in, it's better than a Not three. You're that awesome at it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you talked about the others. I think if the Celtics are going to get two all-stars this year, it's going to be Tatum and it's going to be Porzingis. Interesting. But, but talk to me about Derek White and just what he's meant to the team because Bill Simmons is waxed poetically about Derek White. I think he's a little overblown. But tell me what you're seeing with Derek White and just you know the joy you get of watching him because – the Celtics games that I watch, like the guy's tremendous defensively. He does not hold the ball. He's a connector. He became an mm -hmm. excellent spot up shooter and he just mm -hmm. does. He's just always in the right spot. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I really like, I remember when they traded for him, I think that was like one of the last trades of the dating age era. If I'm correct. Uh, or maybe it was Brad or maybe it was one of Brad's first moves, but trading like a late, like a late twenties first for Derek white. And it was like, okay, who is this guy? And then, I mean, pretty early on, it was just like, oh, wow, this guy is just awesome, always in the right spot, as you said. And then this year, I mean, he's just taking his game to a whole nother level, which is, I think, part of the reason why they were comfortable with kind of 
eschewing uh, Marcus Martin in order to get Kristaps in two first-round picks, which we can litigate later as being an all-time steal, again, by Brad Stevens. But I, I honestly steal. think... We said, all hold on, we said it in the moment. Yeah. We said it in the moment because, let's face it, like, as you just said, Smart's a little bit of addition by subtraction when it comes to Derek White. And Perzingis, I know, like, the health has been a concern, but... He's been a game changer for them. Absolute game changer. Yeah. I mean, quickly on quickly on Porzingis, I'd say, like, first of all, he's an unreal post player, which I didn't know until watching him this year because, like, for the last couple of years, he's been on a miserable Dallas team and a miserable Washington team. So other than him killing the Celtics on uh, every team that he's ever played for, I, I haven't really paid him much attention. But he's so fun to watch in the post. And he's also not a terrible defender. Like, he had a couple nice blocks the, the other day on Christmas. But even in the beginning of the season, I think he had, like, six blocks in the first two games or something. So like he, he's very solid defensively and yes, he's not what Robert Williams was for us, but at the same time, he's so much more for us offensively where he can draw the bigs out, play a really good pick and roll or, and also just be a spot up shooter. Like that's just something that we haven't really ever had. So what he can do has been phenomenal. That being said, I don't think he'll be an all-star this year. I just don't think he's, if you had to, if you had to compare him to all the other bigs, especially in the East, I wouldn't put him up there. I'd rather put Derek White up there in the conversation with Jalen Brunson as my two guards coming out of the East. Or no, three. It would be it would be uh, Brunson, Halliburton, and then White coming off the bench, I guess, as the alternate. But that's kind of how I would look at it. I think if you look at him being so – having, A, a career year, so kind of similar to like DeMar DeRozan, where maybe he's not a top 20 player in the league, but he's having his best year, you kind of have to honor that. So I'd say if you're going to be the best – if you're going to be a, the top point guard on the best team in the East, I think you got to honor it. I think he's like number one in net rating. He's one of the top defensive players in the league. Him and Drew Holiday have been incredible together. Hold I mean, on one second. Besides for Embiid and Bam Adebayo, what other big guys are having monster all-star caliber years in the East that deserve consideration? I think Perdiccas is the third best big in the East. I, I mean, I guess I, I'd say this. I, I would say that it's not that he's not – an all-star player, I just don't believe that what he's been doing specific, and maybe it's just because of the games that he has played or has not, or the amount of games that he hasn't played because of injury, I just don't think that he necessarily warrants to be an all-star. Like, if you, if you, so I'll say this, if you could only give two all-stars to the Celtics, I would choose Tatum and White over Porzingis. You know what I mean? And I, I imagine they're right. all going to give I, I think White's going to lose out. I'm going to do this on another episode, but I think White's going to lose out on the guard. Um, mix because probably guy you know if milwaukee gets to lillard's gonna go right yeah you know you have brunson halliburton donovan mitchell you have who else um tyrese maxi if they're gonna get are we sure to... that those two guys are we sure that mitchell and maxi are all-stars i know they like they're caliber players but are we sure they'll i mean based on the years they're having i, I don't know if i would. i think over Derek white yeah i mean just... i don't know as as good as White's been, but yeah, he's been he's been tremendous for them. And the funny thing is, and I know I've harped on this all the time, is that the guy we haven't even spoken about signed the richest contract in NBA history, and he's an afterthought for this team. But he's actually been playing really well in the last month, and that's the craziest part. Like he's still like showing up. I think he's averaging twenty seven points. He's, his his numbers are up. His shot selection is actually better, and his defense. I have to say, has been a lot better than 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 what it has been in the last couple of years. I, I really do think that having Drew Holiday and Derek White on the floor make it a lot easier for Jalen to kind of be protected on defense, and then it kind of allows him to kind of be the guy who can cheat a little bit and maybe just try to like knock a pass out when the guy isn't looking. He just he doesn't get as exposed as much, I guess is the point. To me, even though I think he's the fifth most dis- indispensable player on the team he's kind of the barometer for the celtics right Mm -hmm. like if he's going and playing smart basketball and playing well like they're really unbeatable yeah because the other guys are just steadier right like even porzingis with he's steady it's just an injury thing right yeah so jalen's kind of the barometer with them um But yeah, it's it's just crazy how much of like an afterthought he's been, and and he's actually, as you said, like you know he's had a nice stretch recently. I want to pivot away from the Celtics because sure. we talk about the Celtics a lot. Obviously, they're they're very much in the mix. So we did our Eastern Conference over under podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. Any surprises uh, for you? <laughs> Anything I mean, the big got- one. 
that, that you want to walk back, like any surprises, <laughs> like, or, or yeah. something that you were dead set on being correct. That that's turning out to be what, what, what do you got? I think, I think we can both, we can both admit pretty quickly defeat on the Pistons who we've been high on for the last two oh, years. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the, that's the, not even an elephant in the room. That's a, that's a Godzilla in the room. I mean, just, I think I still don't understand that all the podcasts I've listened to all the basketball you and I watch everything that I've consumed with basketball. I don't, understand how they can be this bad that being said they'll probably end up being the celtics tomorrow night and then it's going to be a whole sky is falling thing for the celtics when they lose a game every year i mean that's just what I, happens I every week sky's falling but i yeah no it's it's crazy to me it's absolutely crazy to me like i i like some of their players yeah i like some of their players like i i think kate is really good and has the chance to be really good and he's um, been incredible for the last like three weeks too. He's averaging like another forty forty-one points a game. point game. I think it was fifteen of twenty-one. Like his shooting's yeah. turning around. Like yeah. Jalen Duran is really good. Mm-hmm. I, like that the rookie Marcus Sasser has moments. I like Jaden Ivy. Like I mean, I love I love Isaiah Stewart. I really want the Celtics to get Isaiah Stewart. I know it's not. He just doesn't fit what they're doing because like yeah, you, you can't play him alongside another big. Like I just yeah. Like, Monty Williams has to be one of the most overrated coaches in the NBA. And yeah, I know he's everybody like, likes yeah. him as a guy, right? Apparently he's a great guy. And yet he got the Phoenix Suns to the finals. But like did he though? Or was it Chris Paul? That's that's like that's where no, I No, I've always said it was Chris Paul. Chris Paul instilled right. a adultness to that team that Devin Booker has taken and run with. I'll yes. hold the thought on the Suns. I know we bookmarked that for a second. But I, I just it, – it's terrible over there. Like, it's beyond. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really $13 million dollars a year. Like, at what point? <sighs> Gross. I don't know. That, they got to blow it up and sell it. I mean, I would say keep Cade, keep Ivy, unless there's, like, a really good trade there on the table. Keep Duran and then, I don't know, I'd kind of just start trading everybody else away. It doesn't really make any sense to me. Oh, and uh, and Thompson's also awesome too. Yeah, they just have all these amazing like draft picks. They're almost like the Sixers under uh, the Hinky era or whatever. What was his name? Who, who was the GM for, for the for the Sam the, Hinkie, Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. And then they had all these amazingly high draft picks, but like they were just all like almost bad picks, or because they were all top picks, they all thought they were alphas, and maybe that's just the issue. Like you kind of have to get rid of Dario Saric because. He thinks he's an alpha when he's there with Embiid. You know what I mean? It's just it's one of those things. Maybe I'm not sure. All right, but besides for that one, what what was uh what's something you want to walk back? Because for me, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, and uh-huh. yeah, a lot of it has to be injuries mm-hmm. and weird injuries too. Like getting hit in the face, Darius Garland out for a while. Evan that was Kobe weird for a while. The Garland injury was so weird because I was watching the game live, and and my wife Tarn and I were like what's wrong? Like, he looks like he just got hit in the face, but like, then it's like, Oh no, he broke his jaw. And it was like, how did he, he didn't get like hit in the face with like a hand, like Draymond. Like he got, he, he, his face went into someone's like rib. Like I didn't understand what happened there. But yeah, bad vibes around them. And I really think it just kind of comes down to the fact that you probably alluded to it too. Like Donovan Mitchell just never really wanted to be in Cleveland and he was traded there. And it just doesn't really work out with him and Garland there. Mobley hasn't but made the jump. It's not like off. he's pouting. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like he's like compl- bitching and complaining. Like it's if, not that he's bitching and complaining. If you watch the games like that, he's played yeah. like he didn't pull what Kevin Durant just pulled on no. Christmas night in the in the second half of that game, bitching right. and complaining when they traded all their assets for him because that's the only place he wanted to go. Right, Charmin soft doesn't even describe Kevin Durant, but but Mitchell's not doing that. So I mean, that's just been like a weird season from them. Yeah, yeah, I don't really get it. I I, I don't understand it. I I I think that I it's it's one of those things where it's like on paper this should make sense. Like all these pieces are awesome, all these guys are awesome, but they don't have the steady vet there who can kind of who's like a starter or at least like coming off the bench and can help them out. Like, I think that may be the issue. Like if who's their vet, Max Struess and their other vets like Niang, like they don't really have like a guy well, there should be a vet at this point, I guess. But if Mitchell's only experience has been playing with Rudy Gobert, I wouldn't, and, and right. playing in Utah, I wouldn't necessarily say like, Oh, he has the bad experience. He has experience of being in the playoffs and going toe to toe with guys, but he doesn't have the experience of like 
he doesn't have the Chris Paul experience. You know what I mean? So I think that's, they need like an older vet who can actually like kind of coach them as well as the coach. I, I don't think the coach is a bad coach. I'm just saying like, they need like another vet player to be there. I think they miss Ricky Rubio a little bit. I think when he was healthy, he kind of helped them a, a little. Uh, I think they miss him. That was, that was the one that's my biggest miss, but I was high on the Sixers. I was higher on the Sixers. I, I said their, their number at like 47 and a half was, was a little low. And I, I think that's proving to be, uh, to be correct. So I'll take them that that's my victory lap, the Sixers. Yeah. I mean, they only, what I, did you, have you seen the stats where like Embiid doesn't show up against teams above 500? He he's only been, I mean, Embiid's incredible. I won't take that anyway, but it's just like, okay, I guess I'm not going to play on Christmas against the heat. I'm not going to play against the Clippers. I'm yeah, only going to play the Wizards. Like, no, I know, like, I know. Yeah. I know. It was just, it's weird. just yeah, I, it's yeah. I just like to buy into it. It's just funny. It's just like people are like it. It's going to be like he's arguably having a better year than he did last year. And the whole talk about the MVP is oh, but maybe maybe Embiid should be the back-to-back MVP. Where it's like, well, maybe it should have been Jokic after all last year, and maybe Embiid gets it this year. But they're not going to do that. So, you know, market correction is going to happen. Too, too early for the MVP conversation, but Embiid yeah. has been better this year than he was last year. And, you know, when you get rid of the Ebola virus uh, <laughs> and James Harden, it, it's amazing what happens. Like, what's his name looks better? Tobias Harris looks better. I know he's in a contract year, but as I said in the yeah. monologue, he looks better. Maxi's yeah. better. Embiid is better. I, there's a reason for this. Yeah, no, it's true. It's a fair point. Although, to the Clippers' credit, Harden's they play really they, well for now. Because they're in the honeymoon stage. Never yeah, believe yeah. it. Never, ever, ever believe it. Um, no, I will be shocked. I'll be shocked in May if Russell Wilson and Harden are still on the team together and the team is not in fighting. You know what I mean? Like, there's no chance that you can have Russ and Harden on the team working well together in addition to Kawhi and or Paul George also being healthy at the same time. There's just too many ifs on that team. I just don't believe it. I'm not buying the Clippers, but I'll I'll give you a pass on the vacation brain. It's Russell Westbrook, not Russell Wilson. Um, My bad. The news today about Russell Wilson, I just I, I yeah no that. he's 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 getting benched <laughs> for them to save thirty seven million dollars. Uh, it just goes yeah. to show you that contracts in the NFL don't mean anything except for the guaranteed money. All right, last thing on the NBA because then I want to ask you about your Patriots. Sure. The Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns were, you know, in Vegas, fifty two and a half wins. Right now they're 14 and 15 out of the play-in tournament if it started today. Whoa, just talking about Kevin Durant is unhappy. I I remember that I took the under. I believe you did as well. Is this team do they have any chance to get back in the mix here? And I mean in the mix, like being like a title. You know, or, or being being in the mix, not to win a title because I I think that's unfair because there's only one winner, but to to be in like a can make the Western Conference Finals mix because I, yeah, I don't so. see because I don't see a path for them. Make the case. I I think just because the rest of the West is kind of weird, I feel like the West has a lot of talent, but there are some really big flaws in all the teams, and I don't think any of the teams in the West really got any better. So like the Mavericks. I don't I mean, know. Oklahoma City got a lot better. Yeah, they did, but they're still young, and they have this whole Josh Giddey situation, which I don't really want to touch, anyways. But I just I feel like they're still like a piece or two away. I feel like they're a little bit too young. The Warriors are on their. I would say they were on their last leg last year, and they look even worse this year. So you know, I I say this: as long as Steph Curry's on the Warriors, and as long as Kevin Durant's on the Suns, I'm going to give both teams the probability that they have a chance to make the Western Conference Finals. They probably won't play against each other, and neither of those teams will probably make it even that far. But at the same time, I'd still say as long as Durant and especially Booker are on the, t- on the court together, I feel like that team should at least have a say in getting into the Western Conference Finals. But they've played together a lot. Both guys are averaging over 27 points a game, and it's not resulting in any wins. I know. I get it. I think it's them still figuring it out. I think the hardest part is honestly the fact that Beal has been in street clothes for most of his, uh, most of the last But like, he was years. always a bad bet. He was always I know, a bad I know. bet. I know. I know. And it was a bad, and, and they made some bad trades along the way to kind of free up. That being said, I mean, like, I kind of like Nur- what Nurkic was for them in that, in, in what they got out of the port, out of the Dame deal. 
to get Nurkic was like fine. Grayson Allen yeah, is whatever. Yeah, because, uh, because DeAndre Ayton wasn't going to be the player that they needed him to be, right, in terms of a role. But, like, Nurkic can't can't finish around the rim. Like, sure. every time they hit him on the short roll and he shoots, he misses layups. Like, Well, so does Ayton. That, that's my point. Like at, least eight, like, at least Nurkic is out there playing hard. He's hustling. Like, he's still, like, whatever. I think I but think it doesn't they, result in wins. It doesn't result I in know, anything positive. I know, I know but I, I I can't I can't sit here and tell you that I don't think the Suns are a good bet value wise to make the Western Conference Finals at least just because of of Durant and Booker. I still think there are going to be plenty of trades to be made. There's going to be unhappy guys who are going to want to go. Everything that's happening with the Pistons means that, and the Bulls means that those guys are going to be flying anywhere and everywhere. And if those guys want to win, they probably want to go play with Booker and Durant more than they want to go play in OKC with SGA. That's that's where I'm leaning at least. They have no trade assets. They have no moves. The Beal thing, you know, given the contract and and trading everything for Durant, locked them into this. They had one chance. I know, and... but like. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Matt Ishbia buys the Suns at the point last year that he did, unless he knows that they're going to be swinging for the moon, especially with the new CBA, and they're just going to be okay. We're going to take they on. They did swing for the moon. They yeah. brought in Bradley Beal, who's making fifty million dollars a year. Like, I know, you can't have much more than that. There's, I, there's a limit. I know. I, I just think a lot of teams are going to see themselves, and they're going to say, "Screw it!" Like, let's just go get the title right now. Like, it's pretty wide open. I think that's what they're looking at it as, both, both on both in both conferences. So, I think there's a better chance that they miss the playoffs altogether than they make the Western Conference Finals. Fair. I mean, it's fair. It's to- that's totally fair. You're asking. You're you're saying they're less likely to make it than make the top four. Yeah, I, I, that's a pretty good bet too. I'm just saying I don't want to bet against Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, and I don't think that's crazy. I, I'll tell you one step further. I think the Nets won the Kevin Durant trade. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. did, are the Nets like, doing anything? For, all, I mean, for like, all the gaudy numbers that Durant's putting up this year, sure. What's it doing for them? Yeah, but what what's Mikael Bridges you, doing? Like, what are the what are the Nets doing? The Nets aren't a threat. No, but but the Nets thing. at least have. Again, the expectations are different, right? Like the Nets at least have movable pieces. They they have flexibility now. Again, are they going to? Are they going to be in the mix for a title? No, but they can at least do some things and have a market where players kind of want to play. Like, but are the are the Nets a player away? You know what I mean? Like, who's no, no, they're they're way further right. along. But but to pay three guys top dollar and be fourteen and fifteen it, when two of the guys are playing really really well, like, what's the point? I get it. I'm with you. I just think that if your goal is to be winning championships, you need to acquire the stars. There are only five guys who could be on the court at the time. And let's say like in the playoffs, there's going to be only like eight guys who are really playing. If two of those eight guys, are, and especially two of those five specifically, are two of the 10 best players in the league, the I league think you're is, in a better The league spot. is too talented for that now. The league is too talented. I, and, and for, you know, a, as great as Durant's numbers have been, like the – the numbers don't impact the game the way they used to, right? It's not 2014 anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't think he can have that same kind of impact. Uh, you saw it at the end of last year. Yeah, he's shooting out of this world this year, but it doesn't impact the game as much as it did a decade ago, and that's fine because he's an older player now. I just – I think that's a, that was a bad bet, you know? And I obviously guess. most – most teams will do it. The new owner syndrome clearly wanted to make a splash, but it's not working, and I'm not sure it's going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're look, too small. By all accounts, by all accounts, you're right right now, right? Like the way they're playing and the way that Beal's injury is going, I, I, t- and the way that, like, you know, there's already like the Twitter rumors. Oh, KD is already upset with the team, and Booker's young, and people are not getting back on defense. You're, you're right. You're riding the lower part of the roller coaster right now. I'm saying. I wouldn't bet against the possibility of what they're going to be looking like when they can start peaking and playing good basketball. It's going to take a lot to get there, but right now I can still see them making it just because the West is still such a mess. What is Durant won without hitching his wagon to Steph Curry? 
I get it. It's, I mean, it's very fair. Like the guy is, the guy is unhappy everywhere he goes. The grass is always greener for him. I, I, I'm with you. It's annoying to hear. At the same time, it seems like every player is like that now. Almost every star that's ever demanded a trade is always unhappy. And what has it won them? And yeah, he was in the greatest basketball situation ever, and he left it because Draymond is Draymond, and because KD was annoyed that he wasn't the biggest deal, even though he never was going to be with Steph. But he also went there and accomplished a lot and was the best player on, on those finals teams. And like, it's like, okay, like he won his rings. Now he wants to go win more and do it in a different way. Has he been wrong? Yes. But I, 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 I prefer what he's doing as opposed to what James Harden's doing. Does that make sense? Why? They're essentially the same. The way they're going about it is very different. I would say, I would say James Harden, like not showing up in shape or not showing up at all. Yes, no. Durant shows up in shape, but Durant also signs a four-year contract and then basically says, eh, I'm done. Yeah, and I mean, I guess part of they also tied together, so maybe it isn't the best example. I would say this. I prefer to have Kevin Durant and try at this stage than be in any situation with James Harden. You know what I mean? I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. All right, one last thing before we let you go, and you've been awesome as usual. Uh, Patriots. Where are you at with the Patriots right now? I, I at this point, I just want Tommy DeVito to be my quarterback because I don't, I don't want Bailey Zappi. I don't want Mac Jones. We're not going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May, or probably not going to get Jaden Daniels. I don't want Russell Wilson. I don't want Russell Westbrook. I don't want Kyler Murray. So you know, we had an option, and then Bill was like, "No, I need this meaningless win against the Broncos." And I mean, now he's we're trying to go for done. the all-time wins record, so every win is uh, he's going to be doing matters. it. He's going to be doing it with Josh McDaniels in L.A. next year for the Chargers, and Justin Herbert's going to be amazing, and the Patriots are going to be squalor, and that's going to be it. And that's, you know, we had a great 20 years. I'm thankful for the 20 years and the memories, but not counting not counting on any success anytime soon. So Belichick is done. That's your prediction. Belichick is yeah, out. I'd, yeah, I'd say that. I'd say, unfortunately, he's out. All right. All right. Well, yeah. you're, uh, you're on record. I, uh, I think he's out, too. I, yeah. I think it's it's run its course. And welcome to the next 15 years of irrelevance. Uh, <laughs> you know, that that's where you guys were before Tom Brady stumbled into your laps. And uh, you're going to go back to your rightful place as being relevant. Yeah, well, that's what gambling and fantasy football are for. So it's okay. I found one vice and I traded them for two others. So we're great. I, I, I hear you. But seven leagues is too much, especially uh, for a guy at your age. Avi, this was great catching up, but um, obviously we'll do it again soon. Uh, talk offline. You know what the deal is. And uh, have a great rest of the day. And speak about Celtics, I'm sure, a bunch. It's going to be good. Awesome. Yeah, can't wait. Happy New Year's again. Later. Thanks again to recurring guest Avi Wexler for coming on, talking a little bit of NBA stuff, giving his thoughts on the Patriots. That's episode 236 for the love of the game. Take us out. We see you. I'm the bomb, like tick, like tick. If you got money, yeah, and you know, yeah, take it out your pocket and show it and throw it back. This way, that way, this way, that way, yeah. Getting up from everybody you see, then you hang over the wall on the VIP line. This way, that way, this way, that way, yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.